Hello and welcome to the Meta Podcast. A podcast dedicated to bringing you live recordings from Meta events covering a wide range of multidisciplinary topics converging at the intersection of innovation in the African continent. This episode is brought to you by British Council East Africa under the Creative DNA program which is a 12-month incubator implemented by Meta and the UK partner Fashion Scout. The program supported 11 fashion businesses through training, coaching, a fashion film feature, and seed grants in a bid to play a role in boosting the growth of the sustainable creative industry in the face of COVID. In this fourth and final episode of the Creative Podcast series, so as a designer you just need to know your worth, price your things in a way that number one you're giving value to the client and you're giving value to yourself. There is no point of giving away your gift and then after a year you've shut down. In terms of your pricing, uh you need to set aside something that goes to your savings uh, account with or a, an account where like a kitty for you for the rainy day and because definitely in fashion you will be forced to invest, you'll be forced to to chip in, you'll be forced to spend. Um especially when it comes to shipping, like exporting and importing it has to be like in a package and even if we don't use plastic the DHL company will still use plastic and you know swimsuits are very intimate garments so they need to be protected so well like even if we're going to use plastic bags let's use recyclable ones the ones you don't throw away you just keep and you can reuse and stuff like that we talked about creating in the midst of a crisis and the different kinds of constraints imposed on fashion designers We wanted to highlight some of the different challenges faced by fashion creatives in this pandemic from disruption of supply chains, changing consumer habits to the impact of COVID on their creativity. We also sought to understand from our speakers how COVID forced them to think outside the box, the economic hurdles they faced, and some of the lessons they picked up along the way that others can learn from. The speakers included Collins Karanja, founder and creator of TUG, the Urban Gents Limited, a brand that is centered on inclusivity, diversity and creativity. Nima Nkatha, founder of Ohana Swimwear, a line that celebrates African heritage through the combination of bold colors, prints and latest fabrics, and Kawera Mirero, founder and creative director of Mambo Pambo Design Studio, a women's wear brand producing both right to wear and made to measure fashion. The conversation was then moderated by Ogake Mosomi, founder and creative director at Ogake Bridal. We hope you enjoyed this episode. So we're talking about um creating during times of constraint. I'm not sure if you've ever thought about this but have you ever noticed that creativity loves a crisis? After we were paralyzed March and April sitting in our houses listening to the news every day waiting for those horrific stories, many of us after a while we just figured you know what we have to get back to business. So we started we launched into projects some of which we had put on hold for a very long time. Now we suddenly had time of on our hands we could jump into those projects again. It was a time when a lot of us were very innovative. Today um we'd like to hear how the three of you were able to pivot your businesses during the pandemic and I'll start with Collins. Tell us what uh, tag is it tag or took? Yeah, tag, tag, tag. Tag, tell us what tag looked like before um COVID. How were you running your business? What did your team look like and what challenges did um COVID present for you? As you heard, uh we were uh, fortunate enough to take part in the FPL uh cohort 3 which ended in um, towards the end of 2019 um so in and that was coincided with the launch of Tag was also Tag uh, launched in 2019 so we were still very young in the we were still a very young brand at that time um so 
before COVID, we were just trying to figure ourselves out, trying out, uh, uh, testing our ideas and our plans and seeing what sticks. And then just as we were about to take off, as we had already found what works, then uh, the pandemic hit, which also immobilized us as many, other, uh, many others of you have already witnessed. So I'd say that um, it was a learning curve. It, it, uh, it made us really think and play around with uh, cha like changing our, our processes and how we uh, thought our chain would go. So yeah, so I think it was, a, it was a learning curve, trying to play around with new ideas, testing out new products and things, stuff like that, yeah. Okay. And um, did, did you already have a team set up? Because you say your, your company was still new. You just launched in 2019. Did you have a yeah. team set up before COVID? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we had a team. It was a, a team of four, two part-time and two permanent, two full-time, yeah. Two part-time and two full-time employees. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and so when you say that you had new, what, what challenges exactly did COVID present for you? So now you had to change the way that you were doing Good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so in terms of uh, meeting clients, uh, you couldn't meet clients anymore. Um, also, how people, how we were thinking that people are going to buy by visiting our spaces or by stocking in um, in outlets or fashion outlets in malls and stuff like that, that had to change because people are not going out anymore. People are not going to retail. The retail spaces are also really affected. Um, so it had, it made us think of other ways of reaching our clients. So like venturing more online and uh, doing pop-ups like for a stipulated period of time. Yeah. And, and if I may ask Collins, does your brand focus more on ready to wear clothing or do you focus more on working with clients one-on-one? -on -one? Uh, so for Tag, we, we have three arms. We have uh, ready to wear, we have made to measure and accessories which you're about to launch. Um, so the ready to wear is what is what we present out there because that is where we get to display our our style thoughts and our creativity and stuff like that. But uh, we'd say like made to measure is our main bread and butter. That's what keeps us going because it's where you get like we get like back or the the bulk of our orders. And I think this was a problem because a lot of us designers in Kenya work with uh, made-to-measure. So basically, if you get to a point where you cannot measure your clients, you cannot do exactly. adjustments, yeah. that must have been like big for you. Kawera, I think you also have a sense of what this feels like. Uh, your business is a lot more established. I, I don't know, I couldn't find online how long uh, Mambo Pambo has been around. But how are you working before COVID and for you, what challenges came up? Um, so we've been around for six years now. Um, we we do both made to measure and ready to wear. Before COVID, we were steadily working towards more ready to wear and less made to measure because of all the challenges. And made to measure is labor intensive and you find most Kenyans struggle with paying past a certain point. So ready to wear is always more profitable more efficient because you can plan ahead, you can buy fabric, it's, it's just always easier. And so we, our ready-to-wear was overtaking made-to-measure in terms of revenues. We had just opened a new, opened a new location on Riara Road. We were calling it Mambo Pampo Express, where you could pick up these ready pieces. 
Uh, we're working on the e-commerce platform so you could order and just pick up on Rera Road and not have to come all the way to the studio. And so we had plans. We were ticking along. There were events. Um, we, we have a number of celebrity clients who had orders. Um, so like Yemi had her concerts coming, we're working with her stylist, sending sketches. And so we were optimistic. I was working on the new lookbook for the year and then COVID hit. No weddings. Nobody's traveling, meaning no podiums, because the people who travel tend to, I need six pieces to go with to Norway. I need this to go here. And so without podiums, without travelers, there were no events. Everything just fizzled down. The orders we had for me to measure were put on hold. Ready to wear, we already had a lot of inventory because we were selling at Village Market, we were selling on Rera Road, and we had... We, we usually have backup pieces for when we sell, you quickly replace. Um, so by the end of March, I realized the Riera Road place wasn't going to pick up because it was brand new. And so we shut down and moved all the inventory to the studio. We pulled out of Village Market again because now I was trying to minimize expenses because we didn't know what was going to happen. So we had all this inventory and nowhere to take it. And our made-to-measure was also down. You'd call a client and they would say, I cannot leave my compound and riders are not allowed to come. So you have all these clothes, people have paid 50%. To date, but then some have never been picked. <laughs> They've paid 50%, they're not leaving their homes to come and pick the clothes. So everything just went on to a standstill. And for how long were you kind of like pulling, out from, pulling back from everything before now uh, people started, I don't know, warming up to the idea of shopping online and things like that? Or did that ever happen? No, no, it did. March, April, May, June. Four months. Business started picking up again in July. So for four months, we were just, yeah, we're just pushing, but not actually selling. Yes. Wow. And and, and this Mambo Pamba Express, I never visited this store, but it sounds like it was an, a fantastic idea. I hope it's going to be revived. <laughs> we hope we're just, yeah, you sit tight for a while and just see how things are looking. No, there's another, there's another wave of COVID apparently. So, hey. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yes. but I, like it, I, I think it was just a difficult time for everyone. Nema, um, swimwear. What were you swimming during COVID? <laughs> I don't know. What, what, what did um, you... Um, I, I actually love your swimwear. I actually own... Uh, I owned an Ohana two-piece before I met you. I was like, wow, oh. this is... If I'm going to wear a two-piece, this is going to be it. I wore it once, though. <laughs> Um, I'm sure you had plans which you had set up and that was around the time when you guys were, were doing the um, CDNA, you were in the CDNA cohort. Um, so I'm sure there was a reason why you joined CDNA. What, what, what did your business look like before? Why did you join CDNA and what challenges did uh, COVID present for your company? Um, at that period, um, first I didn't even know what CDNA was because for me, I thought I was just joining... Um, what was it called? Like uh, just a normal fashion forum because I'd seen it online. So at that period, we were just in the growing phase. We were trying to figure out how to, you know, uh, grow upscale. So we're looking into new outlets, all that until now when we joined uh, CDNA and then it became, actually CDNA has just become very invaluable to our business. And when COVID started, that was around, it was around that period, starting period of the program. So we had 
start learning some few lessons and then we were also planning to go abroad so we were looking into you know getting a lot of opportunities especially opening up opening us up to a global audience so that's what we were preparing for essentially and even ohana were coming up with designs and everything so we're preparing for you know a breakthrough <laughs> and then just um covid put a halt to everything so um obviously because mine is a travel uh my business you know it's a travel necessity and nobody's and nobody was traveling all the borders were you know all the borders both local and international you know are on lockdown and then even our outlets our retail outlets also they were all closed down so we had to think we had to be creative on how to you know how to sell and how to go about everything because now we're not meeting clients but the good thing we had already established an online presence so at least that was one of the good things but then another challenge was you know there was now delayed in production since we do our production abroad and factories abroad are closed and the borders as well so we had a lot of delayed production actually 2020 i don't think we we just introduced maisha bikini and then i don't think we introduced any collection so yeah that was one of the challenges just delayed in production and also the fact that the companies on survival mode so for me what i did we just went back to the drawing board and we had to remodel our entire business canvas and for us it was making sure that our company is still alive not necessarily making profits there was no need for profit at that particular moment it was just you know making sure we still had uh working capital Yeah. yeah I think that was what everyone was doing last year just trying to stay alive as much as yeah. they possibly could. Um and and the three of you have brought up very interesting like challenges that you faced. So for Nema you've talked about uh, challenges in production because you produce your product abroad. I, I'm I'm interested to find out why 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 not here also like that I don't know if that's something that you considered. Um I'd like to and then you've also mentioned um nobody was traveling so for you your product is predominantly guys going on holiday you know and suddenly that's not happening anymore so there's a stop Kawera has talked about having a physical brick and mortar store which had just opened and then now people can't leave their houses but now I just like us to talk about how you rose to that challenge so as a fashion designer you guys have already started to talk about that you started to mention um how you 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 pivoted your business but I'd like to hear more what new ideas did you come up with to be able to stay afloat or to be able to survive as Nema said how did you pivot your business in the face of adversity uh we can start with Kawera March April shock nothing is happening but I have this amazing team that has taken me years to put together to build we work well together and they have families so I have all this inventory and I debated so do I shut down and just try to move my ready pieces But then my thought process was then what happens after I finish the inventory even if it's a year down the line what happens will I start building a team afresh no how do we navigate the hours we have and the little we have to have it you know serve everybody so we got together we had a meeting and we agreed that we will work shorter hours and I will and I decided to just focus more energies um talking to our current clients now how do you talk to current clients they are all at home they don't want to leave their houses um a lot of people were afraid they're going to lose their jobs so 
expenses also, people stopped spending. Your average mambo pambo dress is 7,500. That's not money you spend, not sure about the future. So really there was a lot of uncertainty and we just needed to find a way to manage it. And so one of the things I quickly did, I started slowly and then I realized it was working. So we continued. So every week we would, initially I would pick the pieces that are in-house, the ready ones. And then I'd get one of my children to take photographs, different ways to style it, different ways to wear it. What undergarments do you need? Um, so we'll do those short, short videos on and post them on IGT, IGTV and sometimes on Facebook. And slowly we started getting traction. I can't even say it's something that I just started because I thought I have all this time. The lookbook I was doing, uh, we put on hold. So we're not going to do a lookbook. We're not hiring a model. We're not hiring a photographer. I did the maths. I talked to a few industry insiders. And a lot of them said, look, just take your own photos. Just pose, do it yourself and see how it goes. I was very camera shy. I would not be caught dead <laughs> on a video or posing, uh, doing photographs. But once I started, I think we, I got better. I built confidence. And then my clients would now start making orders. They'd be like, I really like how that looks on you. And I know our time is coming when, when we'll start going out again. So let me place my order now. I'll start paying. They'll pay 2,000 here, 3,000 here. Some mornings you wake up and five people have sent small, small amounts, but they add up. Then others are sending for the things that were ready. In between, somebody had a wedding. A very good client of mine had a wedding. She said she's having her wedding. And I remember that month, that wedding dress kept us going, for real. We've never done a wedding dress before, so we had time. We had all the time in the world. And so we made a wedding done for her, and we were like, thank God. So everybody was paid. Our, we had rent arrears for months on end, but I finally finished them. And so really, we ticked along. We just managed the resources we had. Um, then one last thing I noticed, a lot of clients would ask, how can I order a made-to-measure piece without coming to the studio? So I quickly did another video showing clients how to take quick measurements, how to do bust, waist, hips. And I posted on, on IGTV. It's a really basic video. I even apologize. I mean, I keep saying I'll do a better one now. And that's the video we send around. So there's some clients I have never met. They, they watch the video, take their measurements, write them out on WhatsApp, send, we tailor, we courier to them. And if it's a ready-to-wear piece, you just check that it will fit and you send. And so that is how we survived 20, 2020. By September, things had picked up. We were back to having, we used to have like a two to four week waiting list. The waiting list started picking up again. And so, yeah. Yes. And, and you managed to keep your whole team uh, throughout the entire time? Um, so what happened? One tailor fell off, one team member fell off, and he fell off voluntarily. He traveled. And so he went to Shags and he got locked, 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 he was locked down. And mm -hmm. so the two, and the thing is, so the two that remained are, we, we worked together until towards the end of the year, when now that vacant position we filled, because this person went up country and said he's, he's staying there for now. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so we downsized, but it was, it was almost, it was a natural, we didn't have to have that painful conversation. Mm -hmm. I am sorry. Yeah. yeah. No, th thanks for sharing that. I think that there's some important points you've brought up. Thank you for talking about um, how you've been, you were able to manage your team. I don't know if you're, you're willing to talk a little bit more about now that you are working uh, fewer hours, um, 
did you have to have a negotiation with them about salaries were you still paying people in full like how how were you able to keep these guys going because of course like you said they have families at home they have rent to pay was it was there some kind of negotiation that you guys did um yes but also almost a natural one because i'm generally very transparent about the money coming in where it's going and so i explained our revenues dipped almost by 80% at some point we were making 20% of what we used to make so i explained we have rent arrears we we were we really didn't have much money so the money we had was the money that we were sharing so everybody knows how much money is coming in i was not on a pay so uh, the, the little money we were making just ensured that the team was paid and at some point i think some team members took home half pay for almost 3 months but i i i, I I think though that strategy of just being open because everybody sees the money coming in and the work coming in there are some savings but you don't want to spend the savings right away because you don't know what's ahead so we just agreed whatever revenue is coming in is what we are all sharing until things look up and everybody was okay with it and i'd like to hear about uh, what guys are doing for saving for the future a little bit later but also um just to go back to what because today we're mostly talking about like the, the 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 changes we made digitally um for everyone who's listening if you just take time to go to kawera's page mambo pambo mambo pambo what's uh, kawera what's your what's your instagram handle mambo pambo world at the end is world world mambo pambo, 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 pambo. pambo. Yeah so uh, Kiswahili words normally we spell them the way we pronounce them so Mambo Pambo and then world at the end if you just scroll down her page and look at her page before covid and after covid you can see a huge difference in the way that she's marketing her clothes so before it was more like the typical like you have a model your model poses and you take photos right and then after that she thought you were working with your daughters so you and your daughters were doing these fantastic videos and it's very relatable and i think that's what people want to see fashion which they can actually relate with and and i think that was just like a brilliant idea whether it was on purpose or not it's like would you say instagram is something that has worked really well for your uh, company yes instagram has been great um because also uh, historically i've come to realize people don't like to read so don't do long stories don't do even when i do a post and i do a long caption i realize nobody read it or maybe two people read it so instagram is beautiful in the sense that you don't need long stories and you can keep the videos short and then i think the other tip the other tip i would like to share is a lot of your target audience just wants to see context like the kimono i'm wearing today it's up for sale where else can i wear it today i'm wearing it to work i have the kind of job i can wear it to work if i go to mombasa i can wear it by the beach so i started working mambo pambo clothes into my life so any when we go out to dinner I, I combine the pieces and then I share. That way, at number one, I don't really need any elaborate uh, photo shoots, cameras, lights, makeup artists, no. Although I had to learn how to do makeup, so I went on YouTube and took lessons after lesson. I still do it now just to learn how to do it. And then I would say just get a good phone if you can afford it. Just get a really good phone and then go online and learn how to use the phone. Because we have all these fancy phones that we don't know how to use, yet they have really good cameras. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think I think that's that's also like an important point because there's there's work that goes into creating good content. So it's not just taking a photo and uploading and writing a long caption, which is what many of us do. It's learning to use your phone to its maximum capacity, whatever phone that is, and then also taking time to understand how to do makeup if you're going to do your own videos. That's that's really great. Uh, Nema, um, how how have you used how have you pivoted to digital? How did you pivot to digital because of um, Corona? And also what other fantastic ideas did you come up with to help Ohana stay afloat? Um, so for us, we were very proactive and we responded really fast. So we didn't wait. Um, one of the things we started doing uh, almost immediately is we started taking part in challenges like the TikToks and those fun challenges that everyone was doing online. And we started doing it with the swimwear. So that really brought us a lot of engagement and a lot of following on our sites. So we're like, you know what, we can focus on, you know, creating value of the company. And then afterwards, you know, customers will come, you know, so that's what, uh, that's where my head was at at the moment. So at that time, we were just like doing a lot of challenges. We we're engaging a lot of people online and, we saw uh, our following like really, really grew. We now that's when we actually got over 10K. We got a lot of engagement and then we started even interacting with influencers and doing lookbooks online. So that was really fun. But also we did um, since at that particular moment, we weren't going to launch any new design. So we decided to. Uh, at that moment, we decided, you know what, let's go back to the drawing board and redo everything. So we upgraded our website. We redid our entire website and just made it more efficient. Because at that time, I remember that was the time we partnered with DPO. So we were able to um, have all forms of cashless payments, which we didn't have before. So people could pay. Now that everyone was online, we decided to upgrade everything. We partnered with DPO. So we, yeah, everyone could, people could pay with different currencies, cards, whatever. Um, another thing we did was at that particular moment, we actually also had, we installed, we had mobile applications, which we installed. So we had like the API integrations that would enable us to see like what's happening, you know, at the back end. So we used to track the record engagement. We used to have quarterly reports, what's happening. So that's a lot of stuff that we didn't do before that really, really helped us in our business. And also we became more intentional, even when it came to posting and the type of shoots and content we were putting out. Because at that particular moment, I remember there was a lot of issues that came up during COVID uh, when it comes to, you know, racism, colorism, all those stuff. So even when it came to like the photo shoots, we did photo shoots that highlighted such issues uh, that affect society. So we were able to also stay on, um, like on, I don't want to say on trend because it's not really a trend, but we're able to, you know, um, focus on what's affecting society. Uh, yeah, we were able to, showcase our brand and also talk about what uh, what's affecting, you know, the society and all that. So we just wanted to post what we want to be known for and we we're advocating for, yeah, such, such things, yeah. 
and 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 I think that's 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 something that uh, really really works well for brands when you're able to show that you are aware. Like just aside from you know just selling and consumerism, you're aware about the things which are actually happening in the world, and you want to create awareness about that. And that's something that brands should do really uh, all of us should be should be um, working on that and you've mentioned a couple of things which maybe I'd like you to speak a little bit more about so that the guys who are here can understand you talked about uh, you've mentioned DPO uh, who helped you develop like cashless payment options online and then you've also yeah. talked about API integration and would you be, can you talk to us a little bit more about who those are what they are what they do why they're important so um, at that moment, uh, when COVID hit, we just had PayPal. And for us, once when our engagement grew, we were also getting um, recognition and also some international audiences. So it wasn't just like Kenyan audience because things were trending, like posts were trending, whatever. So we're like, you know what? To be able to cater for also the international market, we have to start having... Um, we have to start having uh, facilities that will also, we have to start putting things into place that will facilitate also easier uh, transactions between our country and abroad. So DPO is a company that deals with uh, cashless transactions. So what they do is they actually enable, so they integrate all the things onto your website. So they enable you to pay customers to pay, you know, via Visa, via MasterCard, whatever, American Express, and in each, in different currencies as well. So that makes also um, transactions easier for both, for both ends. So whoever orders from anywhere in the world, they're able to purchase according to their currency or according to whatever mode of payment they can at that particular moment. So that was a huge game changer for us. And for in that particular situation, you know, you have to think outside the box, you have to be creative. And as I said, when COVID hit, I focused more on how do I increase the value of the company? Because once you increase the value, then everything else will fall into place. People will come, customers, everything. So those are the little things that I had overlooked. So such a... Like such a partnership because I remember how did I, I found them online. I just started researching things to change when I went back to the drawing board. And when we changed our entire business model can, canvas, I was like, okay, what do we need to change? What do we need to improve? So on that end, when it came to that, I found them online, DPO, and then I just called and I got in touch with the manager. I told them, this is what I'm doing. This is what I want to do. And the company is growing. We're getting this audience. So how do we go about this? So, and it was a very easy transaction. Within a month, they had set us up and it was working within that one month. And then when it came to like the API integration, I had a sit down with my IT uh, and systems developer guy. So we were thinking, how do we improve even um, everything from how do we start from now? How do we rebrand? And we start from experience. So we talked about, you know, um, upgrading the website and in upgrading the website, uh, one of the things that we overlooked was also engagement because it's just easy to see engagement following or whatever. But then um, what's really important is also the insights like that happen at the back end. So when people like, for instance, when you come to Ohana, you click and you don't buy, we want to see that like, what made you not buy? What made you, why didn't you finish there? You know, why didn't you finish 
the patches, all that stuff. We needed to sit the back and how many people even do that? How many people come to our website? So that was also a huge game changer. So he's the one, my IT guy, he's the one who insisted on the API integration. And what it does, it actually helps because it's a, uh, you have the mobile application and on your web as well. So you do every time a purchase is made, like for instance, as we have, we've partnered with like, equity when it comes to M-Pesa, Lipan M-Pesa and people purchase. So such things, uh, you get notifications. I know you get notifications just from equity, but even in the uh, mobile applications, it's much more than that. You know, it's more engagement. It tracks the records as well. It tracks engagement and then it gives you a report. So for instance, I can get every like month, I get reports like February, these are the amount of people who even just opened the website. These are the amount of people who purchased. These are the amount of people who did this, this. So that actually also became a huge game changer and it became to, it helped us also, you know, change everything about, just helped us rebrand and re-strategize and just see, you know, okay, where are we, what are we doing wrong and what can we change? And yeah, so we're on a good track. I, I think so. I think you really are because what you've done is one, you've engaged people on interesting. I, I think last year was the year of TikTok when, when TikTok really yes. blew up about it, but it really became big last year because we had all this time on our hands. So if we're doing, we're seeing really cool videos, which we uh, we're enjoying, but we're also seeing interesting products that we want to buy. That's fantastic. That really brings value to you. Also being able to understand what you're selling, why you're selling. I've, I've picked up on, on, on like this GPO I am going to their website immediately after this and then also like the api integration it's something that we do maybe sometimes but we do need to be consistent about understanding how well our online channels are working for us otherwise what's the yeah. point is putting up content and not following up thanks for sharing that exactly. yeah um finally collins on this question how 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 did you pivot uh, tag uh, digitally what what tools what channels did you use for your company yeah uh, i'm seeing like we were all uh, we all decided to invest a lot uh, online, which makes more sense because people are using, were spending more time uh, in front of their devices and on and working from home and stuff like that. Yeah? So we also followed the same the same trend. Uh, we decided to invest more on um, what kind of content we were creating and putting up online. Um, uh, investing more in our website, um, doing uh, as she was saying, as Nemo was saying about the APIs, but for us, we were doing analytics such that you know exactly where your target market is coming from, uh, what sex, what age group, what, um, what uh, gender and demographic. And then you tend to either um, scrutinize more on that or try to expand your, your market to deal with other um, untapped markets, yeah? Um, also, uh, in terms of... Uh, retail space shutting down a lot of um pop-ups were happening last year and i found that that was very essential for us to try and uh, spread our awareness uh because we were just new so most people didn't know us and that was really good for us to get contacts and it opened doors for us also to get like invitations out of the country to do other pop-ups um yeah those those two ways were where we really, really, really scrutinize on in order to survive and to stay afloat. Yeah. 
um talk to us a bit more about the analytics um maybe some people are not aware of how they can tap into this yeah uh they are actually I, it is very easy i didn't know this but uh they are, they are on google you know if you have a website and you, you there's a way you can either tether your 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 website with google such that you can get the google analytics and you and search engine or optimization such that uh, if people are to Google, let's say, uh, androgynous fashion or fashion designers in Kenya or, or sustainable fashion brands in Kenya, you are among at least the top uh, suggestions you get. And um, that's, that's mainly what I came to learn at, during that period. And are those things which are um, accessible for anyone, do you have to pay for them? No, you don't pay. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, it was very easy. You don't pay. It's... it's uh, it's free. It's on Google, Google Analytics. Okay. Yeah. Um, sharing that. And then in terms of the pop-up uh, shows, which is a model which works for a lot of uh, Kenyan designers, what, what, which ones did you participate in? Which ones did you find were helpful for your business? Uh, the village market one was very, very, very uh, helpful. That's where we got most of the traffic and most uh, uh, growth from. Okay, and in case anyone didn't know, the village market uh, pop-up is still there, so you can always inquire about it and find out if you can participate. Lastly, for Nema and uh, Collins, because you didn't touch on this, how did you um, deal with your team? Just very, very briefly, how did you deal with your teams during uh, during that period of crisis? We can just yeah. answer that in a couple of weeks before we go into the last uh, set of questions. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so, uh, I'll go first. Uh, so for our team... Actually, it grew during this, that period because um, it changed and it grew. We, some people fell off and some people came on. And we got also to add on someone else who, was, who helped with uh, operations and uh, social media and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and did you have to, like now the people who dropped off, the ones who you gained, uh, how, how did you have those difficult conversations? Of, did you uh, tell them that they had to or did they... Was it just organic? It was. It was organic. Yeah, just like uh, Kavera said. Funny, thing, good thing we didn't. We didn't get to have that conversation because one got a job elsewhere, and another one just fell off. and decided to either like venture into other another line of business. So, yeah. So it was. It was pretty pretty uh, organic. It worked for you, Nema. Um, it was organic for us as well because we had to separate, you know, emotions with the business realities. And for us, um, as we were growing, we didn't even have a lot of people at the moment. So that was pretty easy for me, if I can say so. So we just, I just had a chat with everyone and then we just all figured out how to grow, like everyone in their different departments and whatever. Like, as I said, with the IT guy, we sat down. How do we grow? How do we go from here with every single person? So I didn't have to necessarily let anyone go. So what I did, I just changed the entire dynamic into, it became now a contract, um, contractual service. It became like a contract service, whatever, whereby we didn't need you all the time, but you'd work for this particular period and then you get paid for this particular period. So that made sense for us at the time because we didn't need people every single day. So that worked for us. Okay, thanks for sharing that. I'd have loved to go a bit more into that, but uh, we need to go into the last section. 
Um, so what I've gotten from you guys is that basically COVID forced you to think outside of the normal. People will come to me, brick and mortar. Um, it's more the clients coming to us than us going out to the clients. But now everybody has found ways to reach their clients, even when they were not able to meet face to face. And, and that's really exciting. Um, but also what internationally what has happened is everyone had to think outside the box. They had to think of how to rebuild their supply chain and make it more ethical and sustainable. And on the plus side, this has also started to address the issues of overconsumption and overproduction, which is a, a huge problem for the fashion industry. Um, mass market solutions like Amazon suddenly, which was considered to be just like a platform for every all the crap, now they've opened, okay, forgive my use of that word, um, has, they've now opened like a luxury store site and some big designers have jumped in on that. So it's not only you guys who are going online. Big brands like Oscar de la Renta, Joseph Altuzara, Roland Murray are now on Amazon. So those online channels are the place to go. But now, um, Kawera, you said that there's, 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 uh, there's, there are new waves. We're on which wave now of COVID? I don't even know. I've lost track. Three, four? Yeah, there's a third one in Nairobi, Kenya. Third. Oh, okay, so we're on the third one. So we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what 2021 is going to look like. There's still a lot of uncertainty until we are all like um, uh, vaccinated. And even when we are vaccinated, now we are hearing again, uh, Zeneca is, I, I don't know, there's just so much going on. So we don't know what's going to happen with our businesses. So in what ways are you um, trying to make your business more sustainable in the face of all these unknowns? Uh, that's the first part of the question. And then is your company saving or investing? You already started to talk about that, but just give us a little bit more. Okay. Um, so one, in terms of sustainability, we try to listen to our clients. And so... I have actually over the years learned to actively listen. So when you when we put out a design, the feedback we get back is very important because now people are working from home, for instance, they want comfortable clothes. But that means those clothes need to withstand washing, constant washing. <laughs> and so we're trying to, we, we want to continue creating long lasting items that you don't need to replace quickly. But mostly we look to our clients for guidance. Um, investing versus saving, we're doing a little bit of both because fashion is a capital intensive uh, business. You can't put out a lookbook and you don't have fabric in the store to produce at least a, a certain number of items for it to make business sense. So we're doing a little bit of both. Sustainability, I, I default to clients. Your client will always tell you, this fabric we like, this one we didn't like. The stitching here, mm -mm. and so, we are just going by what our end user is telling us. You said capital is already very capital intensive. Fashion is capital intensive, which is very true. So we are constantly spending, 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 spending. There's no shortcut to it. So how can we spend? How can we save or invest? Um, I think really this just boils down to business practice. When I talk to young designers, sometimes I ask them, how did you price this? How did you come up with 3000 for this? Then they tell me, oh, you know, I work from home, so I don't have any overheads. Not true. And so it, it just boils down to your business practices. How are you pricing your items? If you're producing a good quality item, then there needs to be a portion in, in the amount you charge the client that goes into the saving bit. And there needs to be a portion that goes into the investing bit. Otherwise, you end up, you, you just, you end up, you end up with burnout, you know. And then the other thing I've noticed over the years is clients will push 
They'll tell you, uh, 8,500, man, that's just too much money. She knows very well that dress is actually worth 12,500, but it's her right to negotiate with you. So as a designer, you just need to know your worth and then price your things Price your things in a way that, number one, you're giving value to the client and you're giving value to yourself. There's no point of giving away your gift and then after a year, you've shut down. Or after a year, or if you have a crisis, you really can't, you can't sustain it. If you're unwell, things happen, really. So yeah. as a creative, you just need to figure out value and price things in a way that reflects that value. Of course, you can't take rubbish and, and, and overprice it. So produce quality, but also price accordingly. Don't be too desperate. It takes time to build a name. You're not going to build a name overnight. You're not going to be profitable overnight. So, but if you, your foundation is right, eh, you'll be fine. Thank you very much. Uh, Collins, how are you preparing your company for future unknowns? And how are you saving for investing? Uh, for future unknowns, so I'll go with the line uh, of uh, how we've been more sustainable and how we've delved even in deeper because that is our, our, our brand ethos. That's, our, that's who we are as a brand, sustainability and, and being ethical. So we even uh, dove even deeper into uh, sustainable fabric sources uh, we relied, most of our clients, funny thing, because of COVID, people gained weight, so most of their clothes don't fit them anymore. Uh, most of our friends donated fabric, um, or like old, old uh, clothes, so that became our fabric source. Um, and even now, it made us even go deeper into, into get into recycling and upcycling and reusing fabrics. Uh, so even like in 2020, some of our best sellers are clothes made from entirely um, recycled and reused fabric. So, yeah, so that is how we have managed to, to stay afloat because when you go to Nairobi Textile, where people get most of their textiles or people who import uh, fabrics because of the lockdown, so they'd say, like, a lot of fabrics are, are, or a lot of their stock is stuck at the port. So when they come, they're even more expensive and you're trying to save or you're trying to see where you can at least save and invest in other areas. Um, whether we saved or invested, I, I believe we invested because uh, we were fortunate at least to have a, a, a few projects which uh, forced us to gain more machinery and get, more, get at least one more uh, a team member. Um, so yeah, so I think uh, what Carrera said, I think I'll, I'll, I'll use that as a point where in terms of your pricing, uh, you need to set aside something that goes to your savings uh, account where, or a, an account where like a kitty for, your, for the rainy day. And because definitely in fashion, you'll be forced to invest. You'll be forced to, to chip in, you'll be forced to spend. So, yeah. I, I, I almost wish we had you on the conversation last week where we were talking about the circular economy and... Um, uh, how 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 we are using old clothes to create new clothes. So you're definitely doing your bit for the environment and creating new and exciting things. And that makes you your company definitely sustainable. Thank you for sharing that. I hope guys are taking notes. So you don't always have to go to Nairobi Textile for new fabric. <laughs> Can I add something very small to that? Yeah. Historically, since I started Mambo Pambo, by the way, we use buttons from Tumba clothes. 
They have the most amazing buttons. You just need to have a hookup. They collect, 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 and you. I have like I don't know uh, boxes and boxes and boxes of buttons, and they work very well. So I I cosign. <laughs> Can, can I come for shopping? Because the buttons which are available in the market are absolutely... Yeah, no, but there are no buttons in the market. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> okay, lastly, Nema, sustainability, investing, and saving. What are your thoughts? Or what are you doing? Um, yeah, so for us, we're also part of the slow sustainable fashion where I took the time to actually research on sustainable swimsuit fabrics, um, what's out there and what's actually good for the environment. Like when it comes to even the ocean, there's so many, there's so many information that I personally didn't know that like some fabrics actually affect, you know, the environment when it comes to swimsuit and when it comes to even the water, the chemicals and all that. So I made a point um, we, uh, for us, since we do our production abroad and it's easier to get those fabrics there. So that's what we're now working towards combining those fabrics into, you know, our designs and everything. So we do use, we're looking to use now eco-friendly swimwear fabrics as now, as we continue producing and manufacturing. And this is why we didn't even introduce anything last year. I just needed everything to come together and also um just thinking outside the box when it comes to stuff like recycling our packaging because our packaging now you can you know reuse it as many times as you can it's still plastic uh, we're looking to see how to change that because ours that's very difficult um especially when it comes to shipping like exporting and importing it has to be like in a package. And even if we don't use plastic, the DHL company will still use plastic. And you know, swimsuits are very intimate garments, so they need to be protected. So we're like, even if we're gonna use plastic bags, let's use recyclable ones, the ones you don't throw away, you just keep and you can reuse and stuff like that. And also just being um, not even um, recyclable in just um, the fashion aspect, also in the business, like, we have to be, you know, smart with paper. We just reduce the amount of things we print. When it comes to, I don't even think I have a business card now. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. However, we stopped, you know, cause everything is online and it's just easier to explain. And if I meet someone, I just give them the contact. So we, we limit the amount of paper we use. They're just very uh, subtle things we started doing that are to conserve the environment more and just make ourselves more aware. And when it comes to saving, what happened actually, because during COVID, we were, we were banking with a microfinance bank, which I realized at that period during the pandemic, like it's very expensive. In as much as small companies are limited, it's very expensive to bank with a microfinance bank because when um, the... Like when the uh, banks, when they were limiting, when they were cutting off, you know, transaction costs and interest rates, all that, um, microfinance banks weren't doing that because that's where they make their money. So for us, we were still losing out. So either way, like transaction fees were still high. Um, if you if you delay like a payment or if you defy, you still get penalties and stuff like that. So that really, like I felt like I we did lose a lot. So the first thing I did when it comes to that, we changed the banks. So now we went to equity, which is 
friendly, obviously. And then now we opened also a fixed uh, deposit account whereby the money that we're not using into, you know, manufacturing or when it comes to working capital, uh, we gain from that. We just, it's, it grows and we can yeah. save that for a rainy day. Okay. Thank you so much. So um, uh, I have like five other questions, but we really don't have time. Um, so I just want to ask one more question. Um, and this question, guys, literally we have one minute to answer it as our closing, uh, um, our parting shot. Do you think we're going to go back to physical stores? You saw guys trying out the digital fashion shows last year, digitizing their lookbooks and just doing different ways of, of presenting their work. So what, what do you think is the future of our industry in one minute each, exactly one minute? Neema? In just in the context of the physical stores. Physical stores, fashion shows, like what is the future? Are we going to go back? To the usual? I think it's still important. I don't think we'll completely uh, erase everything because like in my industry, for instance, one has to come and try on and all that. In as much as we provide comfort from home, you can try on from home. I still think those are important and in such situations, also fashion shows, whatever, it enables us to interact with each other and network. And so I think we won't, it won't be compulsory whatever but I, I think it's still important and we won't it's still going to be a part of fashion in the future I still believe yeah I think so so yeah we can't complete you think we can't complete completely yeah Collins uh yeah I, I I concur with her because I believe that fashion is very tactile it's a very tactile art form where you need to interact with the piece for you to appreciate it even more um yeah. Yeah, so it will come back in some form or another. Uh, maybe not those packed fashion shows or, or those big releases where people had to queue and to fill up a, a shop to buy. But in some form or another, yeah, it will definitely come back, yeah. Thank you for that. Kawira? Um, I think it's, it will be a blend, but it depends also on what... what, what what is being sold, let me say that. Some clothes just don't fit some body types. And those body types need made to measure or need to fit the garment. And so while some clothes you can just buy online and they come home and they're fine, there are some you can't. So a blend is still going to be needed. Secondly, some sellers are not honest. You know, so until some sellers are honest about sizing, about the quality of fabric, quality of stitching, and the return policy is easy for the end user to work with, there's some trust to be built for us to go 100% online. I don't see it happening anytime soon. And then lastly, I think just for me to measure, further investment is needed. I mean, there are apps for almost everything. It would be great to have an app that, I don't know, does body imaging, gives you all the measurements you can order, and then after a period of time, you come and do your fitting, you know. So for now, we're looking at a blend. We're looking at more innovation and more investment. But I don't think the traditional way of doing things is going to completely uh, be done away with, no, to be a blend, yeah. For more of these episodes, you can subscribe to our podcast channel on Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform of your choice. To stay in touch with us, follow us on Twitter and Facebook at WeAreMetaNBO or email us on 
nairobi at meta.co. Until next time, thanks for listening.